We ready? Yep. <clears throat> I don't know. I've been botching my intros. Let's see how this goes. <laughs> Hello, everybody, and welcome. You're listening to Talk Clean to Me. I'm your host, Joe Karen. And I'm Chloe Holzinger. Today we are sitting down with a very interesting startup and a founder of that startup. If you could go ahead and please introduce yourself. Good morning. This is Aaron Acosta. I'm CEO at Rise Robotics. Cool. Well, thanks for joining us, Aaron. I wanted to start today at like a really high level. I thought it would be cool to start with the mission of Rise Robotics and like, you know, what, what got you to start this? Like what got you excited to do this? It actually wasn't me. I met a brilliant and remarkable guy named Blake Sessions, and he was describing in confidence to me his dream to build Iron Man. So he came to me because I was uh, probably not as smart as him, so he uh, figured that uh, I couldn't steal his ideas. <laughs> yeah, that's, that is what we're up to. That is why we do what we do. and. In order to make Iron Man real, we identified the hard technology problems mm. that stood in the way. Okay, and what are those? So, so one day Blake's like, let's go to Trident Booksellers Coffee, you know, and get some breakfast and talk great, about great spot. Talk about bearings, right? And I'm Sounds like, fun. and uh, Blake was just mad as hell at how bad bearing contact and sliding is, you know, Hertzian contact specifically really grinds his gears. <laughs> so mostly I just listen to uh, what the problems are. We fast forward a couple years and we just kept meeting about these different, you know, specific technologies. And one day uh, when he was deciding what to do for his career, he called me again uh, because this time around he actually considered me to be someone who was like well connected and, and could get him a good job. Uh, what he didn't know was that I was going to get him a I was going to ask him for a job, basically. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, so there I am standing in the rain at a bus stop, like, waiting uh, to go home. And uh, my phone rings. I pick it up, and Blake's like, Apple, MIT, or dot, dot, dot. And I was like, man, you've been developing these technologies, you know, like, in your bedroom. Why aren't you going to just commercialize it yourself? Mm -hmm. And he's like, I don't know how to do that. So... I was like, I'll help you. Let's get this going. Um, I introduced him to an investor. Um, he closed the investor on the first meeting. Whoa. A check was written. It was amazing. It was amazing. Bill Warner uh, just got mesmerized by Blake <laughs> and wanted to make it happen. Yeah, so there's a few things that uh, I love that story. There's a few things I want to uh, hone in on there. So you, you kind of see you, one of your big role here. Um, in starting this company is in part just pushing him off the cliff and getting him to to really commit to this and bring you along with him? Yeah, so like phase two is where I shine as a company builder who is bringing in more and more geniuses and, and building a, a creative place for them to do their best work in like a really happy kind of in, inspiring way. Uh, but phase one is really just about following Blake. And we kind of think about it as like, there's a thing called um, Lessons in Leadership from the Dancing Man. It's this really ridiculous YouTube video <laughs> where this like crazy guy yes. in the field starts like grooving it and moving it. 
And then uh, everyone kind of just looks at him thinking he's this like bonkers. <laughs> but then someone else dances. Right. And that first follower right. catalyzes a movement, which eventually grows into the entire crowd. Yeah. So I'm the, I'm the first follower. <laughs> and uh, I know that Blake has invented some important things because I've done my due diligence mm -hmm. um, from an engineering perspective and I've seen the data, you know, I've seen the recordings and uh, it's the real deal. Very cool. So, branching off from that, quick side comment, I also went engineering in order to become Iron Man, but decided that mm, that's a lot of work and now I'm an analyst. <laughs> but, but um, so, now that you mentioned your core product, what, what is your core product? So right now our core product is a highly efficient air compressor technology. And we're bringing that to market in competition with scroll air compressors, which is a, a type of air compressor that you would see in very clean environments. So laboratories, hospitals, dentists, office. Uh, the technology that we've invented, which is critical for Ironman, uh, can be easily commercialized to compete with the scroll. Uh, specifically, we lower the total cost of ownership. Mm -hmm. So we do everything the scroll does, but over the life of the product, um, the owners can save tens of thousands of dollars. Very cool. And so to, to specify trying to create Iron Man, I think you're talking about creating an exoskeleton suit, right? Can you talk a little bit more about exactly what you mean? Yeah, I'll give you a quick landscape of exoskeletons and exosuits. So broadly speaking, all of them are powered wearable devices for enhancing human motion. Uh, an exoskeleton is generally a rehabilitation device. Uh, so primarily the market is physical therapy um, in a medical context for people who have paralysis, uh, spinal cord injury, stroke. And what these devices are doing is they're exercising uh, with the user, right? So you go to a facility conventionally and you get inside of a very big machine and it exercises you. Well, now you can, with less people and less facility, with a very small machine, uh, you can put this device on, you can exercise, and then you can take the device off. Mm -hmm. So, um, you know, pun intended, I mean, the, the art of physical therapy is making leaps and bounds, but uh, it's not everything that these aspirational marketing people chalk it up to be. What it's not doing, uh, the exoskeleton is not doing, is it's not replacing crutches. Right? Crutches are better than exoskeletons. And that's, that's something that this industry has to combat. Wheelchairs are better than exoskeletons. Much have better. You, have you talked with NASA? Yeah, so NASA's working on more humanoid projects, but they have some exoskeleton projects for like exercising uh, astronauts in space. It's a big deal. Uh, there's, there's, if we're gonna go to space, on some planets we're gonna need like assistance, and in space and other planets we're gonna need uh, resistance. Actually, like mm -hmm. so, so just to go on a brief tangent here for a second mm -hmm. to like what I daydream about. Um, I dream about this thing called the music of motion where muscles are instruments, right, that are, that are striking specific notes. And when I say muscles, I mean like a fiber in your bicep, for example, because uh, what people don't realize is that your bicep both causes you to bring your hand closer to your shoulder, but it also causes you to rotate your wrist, 
right? So different fibers in your bicep are used for two different, uh, bizarrely different motions. And together, when you make all these motions, it's kind of like a cord, right? So you can have like a, you can actually have like a, a small piece, if you will, um, like a baseball throw or a karate chop or a weightlift, right? And, and so you can record these motions from experts and you could download them um, and you could like, you know, the device could make you do that. It could also, in another context, prevent you from doing anything but that, right? So you can imagine like a grooved track of the motion from start to finish and any motion that is not that motion is completely resisted and not allowed. And then the motion that you're desiring is like the only groove you can take, right? So it could essentially train you to do a motion, right? So this is just a long way of saying that these powered wearable devices can lock you in place completely, preventing you from move. They could make you move in a more rapid, like fast motion. They could make you move in a more strong motion. Um, they can essentially do anything that you can program them to do, right? So there's there's like there's the software, there's the hardware, there's it's a huge ball of wax. Are we still talking about strictly biology at this point? Or are you talking about um, hardware doing this as well? So we're talking about biology and and then recording that biology motion to as electronic impulses. Um, I, I, we're talking about hardware that has sensors in it. Mm -hmm that uh, that is like a, a mechanical microphone, mm -hmm. right? And then that same hardware that is a mechanical microphone is also a mechanical speaker. And then you can edit the, the sound uh, to have a variety of, of notes and chords and songs and... Mm -hmm. What kind of things do you see that enabling that we can't do today? Um, I mean, just, just imagine like a karate class, like... Imagine that uh, a bunch of beginners put on these suits and go through the forms uh, perfectly. Mm -hmm. And so they're training their muscle memory with perfect um, mechanical motion. Cool. This may be my bias, but it sounds like you should talk to the Department of Defense about that. Definitely. So, so, <laughs> so the Iron Man so, conundrum, right? It's all, yeah. It all comes back to Tony Stark. Well, it's about what you want, right? And so like um, the, the medical industry is really important for like, you know, like those heart throb reasons, right? Like mm -hmm. helping people be rehabilitated, get better, faster, sooner. The, the military one is, is obviously really important for like missions and uh, protecting soldiers. And um, so those are two really clear industries. There's a third one that's much more important, which is industrial productivity. Um, the way that's usually framed is actually ergonomic uh, injury reduction, right? So like for example, the auto industry is actually the earliest adopter of exoskeletons for industrial uh, productivity and injury reduction. Mm -hmm. So just to hop back a little bit, I don't think you finished your thought on exoskeleton, I mean exosuits, right? right. So, so you explained what exoskeletons are, but exosuits different, are different. Yeah. So in summary, we've talked about three types of exoskeletons, medical, military, and industrial. Right, so these are all exoskeletons. Uh, what's an exosuit? That's that's the right question. Yeah. So and, what is and an exosuit? Not, no one really talks about that unless you're into gaming. Uh, exosuits are like toys. Like you suit up, right? You you like 
you like are you're gonna go out and you're gonna do something extraordinary, like way beyond human, um, superhuman, if you will, right? It's like the difference between like the the exoskeleton used in Aliens versus the exosuit in Iron Man. Perfect. Yeah, Iron Man is a bit. See, Iron Man kind of walks the line right on it, um, but pow- the power loader from Alien is most assuredly an industrial exoskeleton. Mm-hmm. Without a doubt. He really big, cumbersome, bulky, like, would you go play in that thing? Not really. What I want, and what I think a lot of people want with an exosuit, is like, it's like clothing, right? You like, you have a favorite jacket? You have a favorite pair of pants? You have a favorite pair of underwear? Like, you have a favorite suit, right? Like, it's it's like somewhere between clothing and vehicle. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so now, how, does, how is your technology enabling this amazing future of the exosuit? What's preventing us from getting there now that you guys are addressing? So the key metric for a, an amazing exosuit is power density, uh, gravimetric power density. Or, you know, in, in terms of, like, variables, it's uh, how much weight are you carrying in order to deliver that power. Um, and those are, that's primarily it. I mean, you can kind of think of it like a car where it's like, how many horsepower do you have? How much torque do you have? Uh, how fast can you get from zero to 60? These are all just power out metrics. And then the other one is weight, which affects how fast you can get from zero to 60, right? It's mm-hmm. like, if you have a very high horsepower car that is very lightweight, it's going to be extremely fast and extremely powerful. Um, like, you know, you look at like a Formula One car, for example, or like a Koenigsegg one-to-one. Then, I mean, the reason Koenigsegg one-to-one has its name is because it's one horsepower per one kilogram. Mm-hmm. So, like, this is how car people think about uh, their key performance indicator. And then the other one is obviously cost, mm-hmm. right? So it's dollar per power per pound, broadly. Mm-hmm. So we're creating all of the necessary technologies with really high power density okay. uh, in order to make this suit possible. Mm-hmm. And... Uh, in order to make this business profitable, we are commercializing each of these inventions into the uh, most obvious markets which they can easily disrupt. Mm-hmm. So the better pump, for example, is like a better heart. And we're putting that into really boring commercial right. things. I mean, I, lo- I love them, but most people are just like not that interested in knowing that their dentist office saved $10,000. Well, actually, <laughs> so... <Yay. laughs> So you are targeting, though, at the moment, the forklift industry, because your pump does, uh, it lifts particularly well. Yeah, I see, I see you know about our forklift product. Uh, so, so, that's, so that's actually the, the muscle-like product compared mm-hmm. to the heart-like product. So we have two inventions right now that we're commercializing. So powered industrial trucks or forklifts are one of the most common mobile lifters. Uh, industrial vehicles out there that are driving around with huge batteries, right? Like, you know, six uh, car batteries, for example. They're enormous. They're enormous. And they're picking up like 2,000 pounds um, every two minutes through like, you know, 10, 20 feet, right? And and the things that are doing this, the the actual power uh, components that that are going from electricity to the motion those are hydraulic systems, right? So what we do there is we replace all of the hydraulics so that way you have no more nonsense, you know, no more maintenance, no more leaks. Hydraulics are just a complete mess. There's an enormous potential in getting rid of hydraulics. No one likes them. Um, 
the thing that people like about them is that they're very power dense. They deliver an enormous amount of speed and force uh, compared to the options like ball screws and lead screws and belts. Uh, but what Rise has done is we've made this, this belt screw powered cylinder that has the power density of hydraulics and it's all electric. And the result is that we're doubling the runtime of work assist vehicles and walker stackers and other powered industrial trucks. Uh, it seems to me like your immediate target markets are uh, energy efficiency related. Totally. But ultimately, you're targeting something a little bit more uh, drastic. Yeah, yeah. So our, our vision is that we believe that people are going to want to wear suits that make them more powerful. And in order to get there, uh, we're making these highly energy efficient uh, components and products. Right? Yeah. So the, like the, the pump for the dentist's office, that's more energy efficient, that saves them money. Uh, it's good for the environment. We're doing the same amount of work with less mm -hmm. electrons. Right? And then um, the powered lifter for the trucks, uh, that's also more energy efficient. And, and they're not just a little bit. I mean, we're talking like 50 to 100% uh, improvements on the current operating. That's excellent. Cool. What? Tell us about your pivots, because you've done a number of them at this point, I think. Yeah. Um, I think that it's... So I'm a believer in customer discovery, where you have a hypothesis, you talk to your customers, you watch your customers, you figure out what the specific requirements are that will delight them. Mm -hmm. You remove as many as you can until it's just the essential or essentials. Uh, and then you try it out. And more often than not, you fail. So you could quit or try again. <laughs> so so uh, we're kind of like that basketball player who is just like constantly driving towards the hoop, but uh, always like changing direction and you know trying to like juke the opponent to to get it done right and I've lost count of how many pivots we've done um, because they're all towards the goal of powered wearable devices that enhance human motion um, they're all you know hard technologies that are more energy efficient power dense um, they're all like they have benefits for their markets. We, we try, we try, we try. Um, but we know, yeah, I mean, like, I know a lot of people who just keep trying something that they obviously should stop. Mm -hmm. And um, we don't have that problem. We eat our babies, as they say. It's <laughs> like, you know, startup people are like, oh, this is my baby. Isn't it beautiful? And they show the customer, and the customer's like, no, that's an ugly baby. <laughs> <laughs> well, this is what we heard with um, our, our launch episode for the season was Avalanche Energy, and this is exactly what... Alex had to say when we asked him about why, what he attributes his startup's failure to, and it's not abandoning the core technology sooner, being unrealistic about his product market fit and just trying to push something that people didn't really yeah, want. Yeah, you have to be merciless. Like, it's not about your baby. It, your, your baby is ugly. No one likes it. Like, <laughs> so what does success look like to you? Uh, phase one success is a license agreement for a rise technology. Phase two success is a purchase agreement for RISE components, which are where RISE is an OEM. Phase three mm -hmm. is uh, 
Rise is manufacturing complete products and is selling them to distributors. And then phase four is Rise is uh, manufacturing products and direct um, to consumers delivering, right? So it's licensing, uh, supplying components, supplying products, and then you know serving customers, mm-hmm. right? So in that order, we realized that to get to where we want to go, that the next major success, the last thing that we need to see, which will take us on our way, is a license agreement, right? So unfortunately, to get a license agreement, you kind of have to take some market share, right? Or like, you have to prove that you're going to take some market share. And uh, the potential licensees, of which you need several, have to be afraid that either you're going to take market share or that one of their competitors is going to license your technology and take market share, mm-hmm. right? And so that's, we're driving towards that right now. And we have the technology, so now it's just an exercise in um, design for manufacturing to get our cost of goods manufactured, uh, meeting those certification tests to prove that this technology is more than good enough to the to this safety standards and uh, performance standards and reliability standards. And then um, I think we've got ourselves a, a license, right? We have, we have several... Um, Several companies that have given serious indication of interest. So now it's in our, it's the ball's in our court. So you need to prove to them that you're a threat, that you could take some of the market away from them yeah. if they don't license your yeah. product. Yeah, it's less about them and more about the industry, right? Mm-hmm. So it's like, I used to think like, oh, I'm going to impress this one company. And now I think I'm going to deliver this important innovation to the market. And some companies are going to be impressed and are going to want to participate and others are not. Mm-hmm. So I don't really care about who as long as we are aligned. I don't really hang around non-believers. They're, <laughs> they're, uh, especially when they're cynical. Mm-hmm. I mean, skeptics I can kind of tolerate. I don't like cynics. <laughs> so one thing that strikes me about your core team, at least in your experience, is that you're very technology-focused. You're all technologists. Uh, did you ever feel like... A le- you had a lack of formal business expertise. How have you compensated for that? Or have you not considered that to be a liability? We've done pretty well at the business side. I think that technical people are capable of having a growth mindset and learning quickly. Mm-hmm. And business is pretty straightforward. I think the one thing I have done a couple times is leaned really hard on our on our advisors by like actually bringing them to the meetings. But w- but what makes them good? Is it their knowledge? Is their fit with the team? Is oh, their... rapport, rapport, rapport. <laughs> uh, first and foremost, like if you can't tell them anything and everything, then why are they there? Mm-hmm. So like, um, I only trust people who've already done it before. Mm-hmm. Um, in the context of an advisor, right? Mm-hmm. So sure. like when someone is giving me advice, I want to know how they know that and what experience they've had that led them to give that advice. Cause mm-hmm. like nothing bothers me more than someone giving me advice who is not speaking from experience mm-hmm. and is just regurgitating something they heard. Yeah. That's very upsetting. <laughs> <laughs> um, how do you, like, how do you know this, right? Like, so you and your founders have been together for quite a while now. Um, you were friends with them for a very long time before before this company, as you mentioned. Um, how do you stay friends and stay coworkers? How do you manage that relationship and walk that line? Uh, couples therapy. 
<laughs> no, we don't do that. Uh, we should probably. No, I, I'm just kidding. Uh, we, it's, I, it's, it, it, uh, how do people stay together? Uh, if I answer that, that's way more valuable than the startup. Um, I was told not to give any seminars on this. There's like, so, so like, I, I think one of the things that Rise does really well is we, we stay passionate and we stay really close. So um, one of the things we do is like when, when one of us or any of us, when, when people on the Rise team are upset, uh, it's a safe place to, to scream at each other, you know? And it's because it's the intention is not to like punish someone or like, it, the intention is to just like, like, it's kind of like, we agree that each of us has different sensors, different sensitivities, different antenna, right? Different capabilities of perceiving the world that we live in. And so some of us are going to, you know, the red lights are gonna come on the dashboard uh, long before someone else. Mm-hmm. Right. And like we respect that um, another's sensor is valuable and important. And so when that light comes on, um, we should all pay attention because it's actually a blessing that we don't understand that problem. It means that it means that we're fortunate enough to have someone who does and we have to listen to them. Mm-hmm. Right. So so it's like as soon as someone has this like red light come on, um, we focus on it and it's like, okay, what do you know? How do you know it? What does this mean? You hash it out. Yeah. And, and we, um, we're quick to forgive and quick to apologize. Um, because we understand that like sometimes you get passionate and you scream Mm -hmm. and it's nothing, it's nothing personal. It's just like, I mean, you can't care as much about this stuff and like not get heated. Mm Mm-hmm. You know, so we try, we we fight apathy, right? And like the opposite of apathy is love. So it's just, and like lovers quarrel. So <laughs> yeah, it's kind of just like get used to it. Yeah, you know, it's totally. like Not let's do it sooner. Kind of yeah, sooner, sooner, right? Mm-hmm. Like when it's a whisper, right? Before it's like when when the light has just come on, right away, right? Like you know those people who drive around with the check engine light, <laughs> and then like before you know it, like black smoke is coming out of the tail and then they go to the 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 mechanic and it's like oh you destroyed your engine like oh that's what that meant (laughs) like yeah the light came on what were you doing pull over i love it um so this question is not necessarily about the team dynamics but could be uh has any everything ever come really close to just all falling apart and what did you do to hold it together it seems like every christmas every, oh, every no. i know i know we're i i'm thankful to say that i think we broke that cycle this year glad to hear it uh it, it almost always has to do with uh running out of money which seems to be self-induced which i don't really understand fully but it has something to do with like like um, unknown unknowns, mm-hmm. right? The discovery unknown, the discovery of unknown unknowns is uh, painful for the Rise team. Can you give it's, a specific example? I can. Um, <sighs> Take your time. We can cut all this. No, I remember. Down, yeah. I'm just bothered by the memory. Like, <laughs> so about a year ago, we were testing 
testing, by the way, is is I think they call them tests for a reason, right? It's like it sucks. We were testy. Let's. Um, so it's like it's te- testing is where like the hypothesis meets. It's where the rubber meets the road, right? Like, is this real or not? And so we were testing um, belt screw powered cylinder, which is competing with hydraulics and. The test basically is like back and forth, back and forth, back and forth, like all day, every day for years, <laughs> right? So we started the test and we were running it at an accelerated speed and we got to like a million cycles many, many times, like w- like multiple tests. We're all getting to about a million cycles, two million cycles, one to two million, one and a half, two million. Is that good? You would think so. <laughs> it's not. Uh, uh, so the the application a year ago was requiring ten to a hundred million cycles, and we were consistently getting one to two. Mm-hmm. It's just despair, like, and and it was like this. Why is this happening? Right. This shouldn't be happening. And so we like inspected our our product very closely, and we were doing all of the necessary like things to to understand what specifically was going wrong and we found it uh or like approximately what it what it could be and so we found an expert um who knew exactly about this and we emailed him and called him um this guy named Roland Verreet uh Roland is the man I just want to give a shout out to Roland uh just one of those like experts in um in Expert in the field, for sure, without a doubt. And and not only that, but like, like a true, like, uh, like a kindred spirit. This guy just wants to, he just wants to make his stuff last longer, kind of thing, right? And so like, we call him up and email him, and he reroutes his vacation uh, from Germany. He lives in Germany, and he was going to like the Cayman Islands to exhibit some, um, some photography of like micro seashells. So he's like. He like stopped by Boston. And, <laughs> His quick stop in Boston. Yeah, quick stop in Boston, <laughs> and he gave us like an eight-hour seminar on everything that we needed to know that we didn't know um, about this like failure mode we were encountering. And he took some of our samples um, and brought them back to his shop and like took photos. And he's like, "Yep, exactly as I expected," <laughs> you know, and like sent oh, them to yeah. us. I know he's he's like. And what it was a like, legend. What a legend, this guy, this guy. And he just did it out of goodwill. Um, excellent. So we're going to make sure that at some point, like, if if we become fabulously wealthy, we're going to take care of our buddy Roland because, <laughs> yeah, cause, but that was like, there was a lot of despair there before, before the solution was found because we were 10 times lower than our goal. Um, we hadn't considered this failure mode. We had no idea about how to get out of this position. Um, the The market applications were impossible. We were going to fail to deliver. We were out of money. Um, you know, and meanwhile, everyone's like, Merry Christmas, Happy Holidays, Hope you feel well, Have a nice time, you know? And it's like, yeah! <laughs> Yay! Yay! I think I remember this time. So this was this one of these times that you're particularly thinking of is while I was working at Open Water and I was essentially sleeping in the lab. Yeah. Like there was a night where I was here until like 5 a.m. and I went home and took a nap and came back at 8. 
Like, it sucked. And I remember you guys were mostly here as well. Yeah. And it was nice to have a little company in misery. Misery loves company. <laughs> loves company. Yeah, the grind. The grind is like, as long as everyone's like stroking together, right? It's like, it's not so bad. Which is certainly, I mean, having never worked at Greentown Labs, I assume a strength of Greentown Labs and being around other entrepreneurs is you can be around people who are also sh- hitting all these highs and lows along with you and who understand. Yeah, there's like a pack effect, right? It's, a, it's very much a Peloton. Uh, my, I wrote a blog post a while back, uh, I think when I first got to Greentown, where the reason I'm here is because if someone is leading the way, that's inspiring. Um, and if you're leading the way, that's empowering to others, right? So either way, you're winning. Right? Mm-hmm. You're either like chasing the leader, um, and you don't want to fall behind, and they're also showing you how to do what you want to do, or you're killing it, and others are benefiting. Mm-hmm. Okay, cool. So, hey, everybody. We got off on a major tangent, and then we sent Aaron away. And realized we didn't do the outro, so now we're going to do the outro. In the show notes, you will find extensive links. In each of the show notes, you will find links to Rise Robotics, links to blockchain, um, maybe links to robo-movies that we recommend. Mm-hmm. Um, and if you would like to support support the show, please tell a friend, tweet about us, uh, leave us a review on iTunes, once again, five-star reviews will uh, allow you to choose a challenge. Or I think we should challenge them to find a robot movie that we haven't seen yet. Okay. Because I think between the two of us, we've probably seen a number of them. I don't know. I'm not, I'm not a big sci-fi guy, to be honest. I, uh, really? There's a lot of sci-fi fiction out there that I haven't consumed. Huh. So, yeah, robots. I would not have picked you for that. Not more of a fantasy guy. Uh, not much into sci-fi, to be mm. honest. Well, then we will absolutely do this challenge, and I'll have fun. Okay, so yeah, pick a robot-based fiction thing, and we'll, uh, we'll do something fun with it. We'll figure it out. We'll, we'll cosplay it as we watch it, and then comment on it. Maybe not Iron Man. Oh, yeah, no, that doesn't count. Yeah. We're, talking, we're talking about artificial intelligence, which, yeah. since that part got entirely cut out, potentially, if you're listening to just the episode, there are bonus episodes uh, available probably now of us talking to Aaron about uh, just some more out there things such as artificial intelligence and blockchain and some really cool stuff. So check that out too if you're so inclined. Uh, you can also sign up for a mailing list on the website. Please get in touch if you have any suggestions or questions. Visit talkcleanpodcast.com. Tweet at us, like I said, at talkcleanpodcast or email us at contact at talkcleanpodcast.com. Thanks for listening, guys. Yeah, thanks, everyone. And uh, thanks to Aaron, even though he's not here. Bye.